Josh Thompson, longtime training partner, teammate, friend. Welcome to episode number five of MMA Headlines, my new segment on the Real Quick Mike Sweet podcast. Welcome to the show again. I know. It's been fun, man. It's been 10 months. Is it weird that I said welcome to the show again and you haven't told me welcome to the show even one time on your show? Like, what is the deal with that? I thought this was like a collaboration. This is more like a fucking just come on my show thing. No, no, no. We're going to have you on, man. Because I got less people that watch my show, you got to come on like 15 times for me to get one time on your show. Is that what it comes out to or what? Now you're just digging on me right now. You're just giving me a hard time. Yeah. No, no, we'll get you on for sure, man. I can't wait, man. No, I, love, I just so. love talking to you, man. You know, it's been so long. We were teammates for so long. So when we weren't punching each other in the face, we were talking. And like now I, I don't get to see you, don't get to talk to you. So it's just cool to have you on the show, man. Talk about some headlines. How you been doing, first of all? Good, man. A lot of traveling right now. Bellator's been having a lot of fights, so been gone quite a bit. And, uh, you know, on the road. Um, excuse me. I just... um. Uh, I've been uh, looking over, looking over in Texas and Florida and stuff. Um, you know, moving out there and yeah. uh, getting ready to start probably moving out there. So we'll see what happens. Everybody's doing that, dude. All that high taxes and, and craziness in California. It's insane, man. I got a lot of friends that moved to Idaho too in the boys' year, and uh, you know, and some friends that moved to Tennessee, which is also nice. You know, that Nashville area is nice. Mm-hmm. Knoxville's nice. Memphis is nice. You know, so it really depends on what your pickle is. You know, on what, what where you want to live and how you might like it. So. Who knows, man? People are. People, I think people are realizing that they can live anywhere in the United States and still be happy, you know. And uh, it just—it really depends on what's important to you. So yeah. So it's six a.m. for you, just so everybody knows. So obviously, thank you for doing the podcast so early, and that's why you're tired right now. Um, you look amazing <laughs> uh, for fifty-two. So not bad, not bad. Uh, you don't even—you don't even look a day over fifty-one. It's very good. I see you're holding up well. Every time I see you, you're uh, you're shredded and ripped. Yes, I got to get on that old man diet like you, buddy. Dude, the problem, the thing is, is like, because I've always been a little bit like I, I work out aesthetically. I'm not trying to be a fighter, so I'm trying. I always trying to get big and like not look so skinny as I was in my career. But then I, yeah. I would get big, and it's hard to get like like thin once you get big. So I figured I would yeah. just starve myself to death, train super hard, and be like super like thin, then get big, and then I've just been stuck thin for so long that I can't. It's like harder to get big. So like, for, but getting to rock status, like the rock, like my my goal, it's a little harder than I thought. So <laughs> yeah, I got like 45, 50 pounds to go or, or more. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's. I think he's more on the science diet. He's so. on, yeah, he's on, he's on something that I can't even begin to fathom or understand. <laughs> Uh, so we're getting the headlines real fast. So the first one, the main one that everyone's talking about right now, and I've had him on the show. Our podcast is going crazy right now, mostly because his his uh, his trainer took over the podcast at like an hour in, and then literally spoke for the last hour. I didn't get a single word in, but he he definitely it, you know addressed a lot of different things. You can tell he's got a lot of issues that he's uh, trying to to get out there. Um, so it's Diego and Fabia, Fabia, Fabia. I think it's Fabia, but. Uh, Obviously, there's just so many different things we could talk about. I don't even know where to start. I mean, there's obviously the Diego part. We all love Diego. He's a legend of the sport. Um, and then so there's that respect, and we love Diego. Then there's the part of Fabia. He has points. Um, is he going about it the right way? Um, he, and then he doesn't have some points. You know, it's, it's a mixture of just so many different things. Now he's gotten to the point where – and he wants to come back on the show, but I don't want negative – vibes on the show and i know it's going to be there's no there's no way we're not going to be more negative than we were the first podcast of people so i just don't want that energy on here but like they're attacking people now so instead of just being mad at the ufc they're attacking like one of the things they attacked was like uh matt sarah uh joe rogan and dana for being on steroids and growth hormone which is like they're not competing what who cares 
Then he just attacked Donald Cerrone and, uh, and played a video of him saying the N-word, you know, backstage or something like that. I don't know why he's attacking Donald Cerrone. So it's like, I don't know what's going on because this guy's supposed to be so positive and positive energy. And I know Diego would never say these things. Like I've known Diego for so long and we've done charity events together. We've done, uh, you know, speaking events together and he's always been so positive and so nice. And this guy is supposed to be bringing more positivity to him. Then you got the whole hanging upside down, getting punched in the face and getting kicked while you're hanging upside down. Uh, there's so many things to go into. Just what's your thoughts? I know you did say that he had some good points. Everybody obviously thinks there's got to be some good points in there, but how do you think that he's i saw an article where you said you, he had some good points but what what is your overall thoughts on everything as far as what he's saying and how he's handling it he got paid from the ufc as you know i think that your point was they're not going to call him and pick up his phone we all know that we know the ufc is done with him what's he trying to do now and, and is it the right thing to do or should he just move on like what he's trying to do now is just it's ridiculous I, they just need to move on and yeah. the problem is though is they're not they're not they're not willing to move on Joshua Fabia has made it about him. It's not about him. It's about Diego Sanchez. And when you start making it about you, and you're not, you're not even a rel- you're not, you're no one, you're no one of importance. He's irrelevant to the sport itself. Yeah. You know, uh, Diego hasn't won with him in his corner. So obviously, whatever it is you're doing, you're not, you're not doing anything right. So, I, the, the, there's what I meant by he has some points. He has some points in terms of, like. About the about Dana's not going to pick up the call. Right. That's you know one. They, they, Dana doesn't care, doesn't care anymore. He's totally moved on. Um, doesn't matter what he says. Dana has been able to, you know, not not just about anything. Just I mean, it could be just about anything. You know, like going back early for you know to have fights. You know, with with COVID, having live gates, like doing all these things. It's just slid off of Dana. Yeah. You know, and and but the thing is, he's also leading the way, and you can't be mad at it. Uh, all the other things are irrelevant, you know. Whether he's having sex with fighters in right, blah blah blah, that, yeah. whoever else that works for the company, all that other shit. Guess what? That's all personal adult shit, like right there. You know, if you're a fighter, you're over eighteen, and I and nobody and, and nobody can confirm, you know, that if it did happen. And uh, everyone knows, like I, I'm not a big, I'm not a big, um, I'm not a big like Dan and I are not fans of each other. I don't think, you know, but I don't have a problem with him. It's just like, but this that's not something I would get into. I, I don't. It doesn't matter if he was, you know, hooking up with fighters, hooking up with staff, or hooking up with whoever. That's no one else's damn business. Right. And if so, if the other per, if the other party didn't hasn't come forward and said anything, then who gives a shit? You know. So this this guy's just trying to start more shit, cause more drama, get more attention, have the media more about him. You know. And Diego is is just standing idly by, just watching it all unfold. And it's it's unfortunate because the positive attitude. That sorry, the positive attitude that Dana had, or not Dana, but that Diego had had left the sport with, it's gone, you know. And the thing as well, like you just, I didn't see the video about uh, with Cowboy possibly using the N word, but like th- those moments though, like you, we no one knows the setting. Was he talking with friends, you know, um, like let's just say he was talking, you know, with somebody else that you know that was African American or whatever. Like, w- like what if what if that's their group? What if it's just their group? Everyone. Everyone, like, and what are you doing videotaping him? You know, that's kind of creepy also. Like, were you part of the conversation? I think it was just caught on tape somewhere, and, and then he heard about it and, and played it. And I guess I understand that to answer my own question, why he attacked Cowboy was Cowboy attacked him. So I think he's just attacking people that attacked him. So Matt Sarah must have attacked him too. I don't want to attack him because I, I have all the respect in the world for him. I just don't get why they're going about it the way they're going about it now, and I don't see what they're going to accomplish by doing that. And 
exposing Cerrone if he did say something racist, however long ago it was, whenever it was, doesn't really help his fight. You know, it's not going to get him anything. Him being a part of this uh, school of self-awareness and, and, and Joshua doing all this stuff together, I don't think, of course they have some people supporting them, whether they're just egging them on to do more crazy stuff or they're actually supporting them. I don't think they're going to grow their brand by doing hateful things to people. You know what I mean? I don't think they're going to make money from this on their own. Swick, nobody is supporting them. People are supporting Diego. It's not a them thing. People are supporting Diego. And that's the thing. True. There's a difference. People, people love all the things that, that Diego has done for them over the, over the years. What great fights, the energy, the, the very first ultimate fighter winner, you know, those type of things. Those are things that, um, those are things that people don't forget, and they, they want to be on his side. But this is not a, his coach or whoever this guy is is not allowing that. And when you start spewing out just a bunch of negative stuff out there to get more attention, it just lets you know that you've lost you you basically lost your good standing with the UFC uh, and Dana White and whoever else because you let this guy step in the middle and start talking. And just, I'm sorry, but Mike, we've been through this before with other coaches at AKA. Remember how coaches all of a sudden left the gym because they couldn't come in the cage? Yeah. You know what I mean? I've and, had people, I've had coaches at AK argue backstage when I was walking out about who's going to go in the cage. And it was a huge deal, more important than my fight when I was about to walk out. And yeah. I'm like, dude, guys, I'm about to fight. Like, I don't give a shit who comes in my cage. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's the thing. Like, when, when coaches start talking about who it's going to be or who's going to go inside. Like I get it. Like in between corners, if someone's cut, you know, you have two in the in they come inside the cage, but I'm talking about after the fight, right. after the fight, who gets to go in, you know, we had, we actually had a coach that left the gym because he couldn't go in the cage yeah. after the fight, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to let it remain nameless, but it's like when you have coaches that are like that, you got to get rid of them, man. Yeah. But it, then, then it's become now all of a sudden about them. And that's what's going on with this Joshua Fabia guy. It's becoming all about him. And I mean, all these other things that you're seeing, like I feel bad for Diego. This whole hanging down upside down video, getting you know just light, lightly slapped in the face. It was pretty hard. Some of the, he was kicking him too. Like it wasn't yeah. like. <laughs> it, but but still, it's that's not even like my, my not even so much my point. My point is that like once things like this are getting out, it's just getting yeah. worse and worse and worse. And. Fabia has made it all about him. And another thing that bothers me a little bit is because Fabia has a different personality. He's who he is. He's, he's an, whether he tries to preach that he's positive or not, he's a negative guy. He's very, very negative. I've seen so many videos of him enter a room, like the one with uh, when he did the pre-fight uh, address to the, to the commentators. And he just lashes yeah. out cursing and like anger from the start before he even gives them a chance to do anything wrong. And, it, and, and like Felder and some of the other people, they never even like, you know, commented and did anything wrong. So he's a very negative person. And, and the problem is, is, is uh, Diego's posting all these stories and like the Cerrone thing and, and a lot of these other hateful things. And it doesn't say Fabius posting them. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going through Diego and posting them and it looks like Diego's story and it doesn't say anything. It's a school of self-awareness, which they both have interest in, but it doesn't say from Fabia. You know what I mean? So it's like Diego's doing something that I know Diego wouldn't do. I know Diego, the Diego I know wouldn't be posting stories being so negative and so hateful towards people. And I think that's what's hurting the worst, his reputation. And then a second part is for you, being as experienced as you are in the sport, if you were someone like Scott Coker or uh, another, uh, you know, organization head, does this play a role? I mean, would you would you be quick to to bring on Diego now that the UFC dropped him and then he's acting this way? Wouldn't that scare the shit out of you to bring him on and let him possibly, 
get insight in your guys and your your organization and your and then all of a sudden this could happen to you as well like it's kind of one of those things where it's like poison right or no yeah okay so look this is this is a you know we had we also had another fighter um who who um fought with us towards the end of his career and um his his identity was fighting you know and you don't and, and you see him now and he'll remain nameless as well but his identity like he his identity was fighting his identity was the ufc his identity was you know pride his identity was all the things you know that um that made him uh, a fighter and look you said the diego sanchez that i know but the problem is though is that you don't know that diego anymore yeah you're that's right. the problem you know, and that's the sad part is that Diego throughout his career has has changed just a little bit. And since you've known him, he's not the same Diego anymore. And when you hang your hat on everything about fighting, like when anytime anytime I see a fighter with um with their with their Twitter handle or their Instagram handle that says UFC in it, I'm like, you're just identifying just as a UFC fighter. What happens when you're out with the UFC anymore? Yeah, I see that too. Like who are you? Like who are you? Like, you know, like that's the problem. So um that that's that's what that's what some that's how that's what changes fighters as a person as a personality whatever it is, like when they're done with that they have nowhere to go, they don't know how to hang their hat, on a new thing you know what I mean. So yeah. what, what makes them another person? Their whole for the last fifteen twenty years he's been identifying himself as a UFC fighter. Now he's not that, and Joshua Fabio is making it, um, making it worse. Because he has nothing, he thought he was going to be able to to ride this this train a little bit longer, and 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 really, I'm just being honest, man. When I said Joshua Fabia had some points, I meant like points about like medical stuff, and you know, and you can tell like Diego is not doesn't seem the same person as if when he was the Ultimate Fighter. Mm-hmm. No matter how much you like and want to watch him fight, you got to you got to be real with the reality of the situation. You know, Diego's taking a lot of damage. And so that's that that scares a lot of people. And when you start asking the UFC for private medical information that their doctors have and all this other stuff, those are the things that people if I was a promotion, those are the things I'd be concerned about. And if I was another promotion, there's absolutely no way I would sign him. Absolutely not just not just based off of like some previous medical stuff, but you can tell that Diego is not that he's had that he has been some issues. You know, anytime you allow someone like this, and this is a very like cultish type thing, you know, where you where you kind of allow someone to, to overtake whether it's your social media, overtake your your interviews, you know, it it just it goes to show the old Diego that you knew would allow that. Yeah. He would make it about him. He would make it the fact that he is a fighter. You know what I mean? And so that's what he would do. And so that that's the scary part. You know, I, no, there's no. I don't think there's any promotion out there that's going to sign him. Yeah. So we both agree then that it's not the way to handle it and he's not going about it the right way. And this is going to end pretty bad, I think. Well, what it is, it's not, yeah, I don't think it's going to end bad. Nothing's going to happen. Of it. I mean, it's going to end bad because he's not going to have a job. That's, that's where it's going to end bad. Look, he's made a lot of money in his career. He's made a ton of money. I have a feeling you know, he doesn't so I, have all of that though. That's the problem. Look, that is not, that's no one else's issue. I get it. Like that. I agree. You know, I've said this over and over and over again. Fighters. If you think that just staying with the UFC, look, I, I said this because Eddie Alvarez has done it right. Eddie Alvarez bounced from promotion to promotion to promotion, normally became champion in those promotions, and he made a ton of money. He's making a ton of money in the one championship right now. These guys get stuck, like I said with Diego. He's stuck on his identity being involved with the UFC. Everything about him is just UFC, UFC. There's no – his – what's going to happen now that identity is gone? Mm-hmm. So if that happens, then what? Yeah. 
like that's what scares me you know we see other we see other fighters that yeah. that's all they've identified as so when that's taken away what do they do mentally what do they do um do they have a do they have a mental breakdown i mean the amount of the amount of damage that he's taken you know throughout his career you start wondering and getting scared you know is there going to be problems and that's that's what scares i think me and, and big john and i were talking about it is that that's what scares me about diego is that he's he's been an emotional roller coaster his whole life you know and uh he's been you know he's been that guy that has to you know yell on the way to the cage don't get me wrong i believe it's right you know like, yes 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 you know it's it's all mental it's all you know preparing himself mentally for it well he wasn't prepared mentally to say goodbye, you know, and they cut him off. So what is that? What kind of effect is that going to happen now that he's not a UFC fighter? And everything about him is his Instagram handle, his his Twitter handle all says, you know, Diego Nightmare Sanchez UFC. And that's gone now. That's gone. So what do you do? Yeah, and we definitely saw that with uh, Rose, too. You know, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, you know, of course, Diego looked way more intense and people like to make fun of him because he looks so intense. But sometimes that, yeah, that's what you got to do. You got to tell yourself, you know, to, to get in that right mindset. And Rose was like, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best before she fought. She won, won the championship. Good for her. Uh, we'll move on from that, though. We definitely... Go ahead. That's that's because she is, that's because she is the best. Yeah, she did. She confirmed it. She confirmed it. She confirmed it definitely, yeah. and uh, it, it wasn't just because she said it. All right, fellas, you want to help the podcast? Here is your opportunity. You can save twenty percent now and get free shipping on the best below the waist men's grooming products on the market by going to manscape.com. M a n s c a p e d dot com today. Use code Quick. That's my nickname, not how you use the product. And you get 20% off, free shipping. It's a win-win for everyone. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and now they're available in Europe, Canada, and Australia. And yes, I actually use these products. I'm getting more shipped right now. I got the Manscaped bag here. Got the Preserver. Got the Reviver. Mm -hmm. The Reviver. The Crop Mop. A whole bag of Crop Mops. And they even give you this. So you can actually... Uh, use Manscaped to manscape your eyebrows and your toes. Huh? It's like the best. It is everything you need to appeal to your lady friend. So, don't thank me. Thank yourself for going to manscaped.com, entering code QUICK, and getting your order at 20% off discount and free shipping. Um, but moving on to a similar, I'll segue easy here uh, to a different headline, and that's Cerrone, um, because of the fact it's kind of similar to what we're talking about. Cerrone's a great guy, uh, love his style, love his fighting, ambassador to the sport, just a fucking true legend. Fifty something fights, I don't even know, like six, sixty-two or fifty-two or something like that. Last time I counted, yeah. um, and he just lost, um, you know. And and what's going to happen with him now? It didn't look like a great fight, and and like Habib said before, you can't have your prime twice. You can't, you can't, you know. There's no two primes. I don't see what he can do to get better. And, and I'll say this because every time I look at his Instagram, he's always at the BMF ranch on his on his like go-kart and skiing like he's never training and so it's like i remember when me and you trained aka we had no time to do anything else and that was in the height of our career and we were trying to get better and we were probably slowly getting better but we were already kind of in our career just getting ready for fights and slowly improving 
for him to make a drastic change to be able to hang with guys at 38 years old and be able to, to, to actually be relevant, I think he would have to stop doing everything else and train every day, like wrestling, for instance, to get Moreno down and things like that. But when every single post is him doing things out on his ranch, he can't possibly be training six days a week, two times a day like we were. So where does that leave him right now? He said he wasn't going to retire or he doesn't want to. He wants to keep going. He's been knocked out eight times so far, and, and that's not counting training. I love the guy. I want to see the guy continue to fight, but I want to also see him healthy. And wh- what, what is your take? Well, my take is that he, I believe he could be training, uh, you know, twice a day or, you know, two, you know, maybe three times a day, but probably just twice a day and still be doing all the other stuff. But the problem is um, he's not getting the quality of training that he could be if he was resting between those. Yeah, I was exhausted That's the between classes or between training. Yeah. Exactly. So like, I mean, don't get me wrong. There was moments throughout my career where I just didn't have it in the gym is because, you know, I was out doing whatever in between or like, um, like I used to say, like during the time that I lost to Clay Guida, I was, you know, Trevor Pranglin to pull me aside after the fight and be like, Hey, I wasn't going to say anything because you'd been winning fights. Yeah. He's like, but he's like, but you're out at the nightclub until, you know, one, two in the morning, get back home <laughs> and then go run in the morning. Yeah. And then I go to noon training and then we train hit mitts at night. He's like, he's like, how are you doing it? Yeah. He's like, he's like, and obviously it's not working. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it was a little, you know, come to Jesus talk, you know, that he had with me and it saved my career, I believe. And so, um, you know that, so sure. Donald can do it, but you're not getting the best Donald in training, which means you're not going to get the best Donald in the fight. Yeah. And so, um, the other thing as well is that he's got two young kids and you know, he's got two young boys. I think one of them is danger. I don't know the name of the other one, but, um, you know, he's got two young boys and, um, and he's got a full big ranch to take care of. Look, I think, I think it is time for him to move on and there's no knock on him whatsoever. If he wants to go back down to 55, go right ahead. But it's in terms of, he's not going to be champion. You know, it's just, it's not going to happen. Right. And then and it's, it's, um, it's sad you know, because he has been a gamer. He has been someone that every time the phone call has, you know, been every time his phones rings, he's picked up the call, and he's just thought to himself, okay, you know, I'll just take any, you know, any fight, anytime, anywhere kind of situation. And sometimes it's backfired on him because he was the number one contender and he lost, and then he didn't get a title shot, and like all these things, have, you know. But he's made a ton of money as well. He's also spent a ton of money. Yeah, he's made, he made that. I continue to go back to this. This is my biggest thing. If you are a fighter and you spend money like you're an NFL player or an NBA player or a baseball player, you're going to be broke. Yeah. You know, I don't think he'll be broke. I hope he's done enough with his with his money. Maybe everything's paid off, but he needs to I feel like I feel like he is a walking um reality TV show. Yeah. And if anybody that anybody if anyone doesn't pick him up in terms of like, you know, life on the BFM, BMF ranch or something like that. You know, like a, uh, almost like a member of Robin Big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, have, having a show like that, yeah. you know, where you're out there and it's like they're the skate park and the business. The big factory and all that. <laughs> yeah, they had all of that. And so like there was a lot of fun. And I think the same thing can be said for what Donald does. I mean, to make him, you know, a TV, ha- have a reality show about him and then other fighters that come in to train with him, other fighters that come in to, you know, to do all the things and what he does, he takes them out horseback riding, he takes them out, you know, quadding, he takes them all, you know, you know, wakeboarding, whatever it is. I think that, that if the UFC would, I think it would be foolish not to do something like that. You kind of know how they use Matt Sarah for, you know, Dana White's yep. is it contenders or the looking for a fight or whatever it was. For a fight, yeah. Whatever that show, yeah, whatever that show was. But I would think that they should do something like that. 
you know, they should they should try to integrate Cowboy because he's got a great personality as well. And uh, there's so much stuff and so much knowledge that he knows, whether it's hunting, any of that stuff. I think that I think it'd be awesome. And you take maybe you take some of your older fighters, you know, that are retired now or, or just getting ready to retire, like Clay Guida, and you've got uh, Chad Mendez, who are avid hunters, you know, and you get the three of those knuckleheads together. Can you imagine a show with yeah. those three guys? Yeah. I, I mean, love those guys. The, it'd be awesome man like if you put a little show where you know the you know those avid hunter guys and they get together and have their own tv show i think i think there's there's something there to be had for those guys but they got to team up or you know or the ufc's got to maybe try and get them some sort of connection and get backed in there i don't know just my idea but in terms of fighting i would like to see him retire you know I, I don't it's not that i don't want to see him fight more i do but i also care i also care about people in general and I'm just seeing too many of these guys holding on too long, you know, and that was a big reason why I decided to retire. You know, I just realized in the gym, I wasn't the same guys that, you know, that shouldn't be hitting me or hitting me and they're hitting me more often, harder and everything hurts a little bit was more. Was that me? Was um, that me that was doing that or? No, no. <laughs> it was, it was, it's quick. We both know it was never you. Oh, stop, dude. <laughs> stop, dude. We I'm, both I'm going to save your ego oh. on the show and, and just go with you on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I love it. Um, but oh, it's it's just it's one of those things like yeah, you got to move on. And I don't want to see him fight. You know, as a fighter, I was, to me it was time to retire. You know, and um, and they know. That's the thing. There's guys. There's guys that they're fighting. There's guys that they're training with that are beating them up. That are having more success with them than they weren't before. You know, um, and that's the problem. And the crazy thing is, is like you said that uh, they need to create something that, that creates an opportunity for these guys. I agree with you 100%. I think the guys that put the time in, especially your Hall of Famers and, and guys that, that should be Hall of Famers that may not be quite to that level, but have put the time in and had maybe a certain amount of fights should have a place and there should be a department dedicated to getting something for these guys because they have value to a company that's a fighting company. They're, they have some kind of value to a fighting organization worth you know $4 billion. And the fact that they're owned by a talent agency, you would think... That, that, that since they have a talent agency owning the fighting company, that there's got to be a mix of something in there that can find something for these guys to do, like what you said, like a reality show or something like that. Um, and then yeah. just one other quick, quick point. Uh, a lot of people don't think about this, but it's like, you know, he should retire. Dana should tell him he should retire or not retire or whatever the case. This is what the fans hear. What the fans don't hear and understand is no matter how much money he has, how much money I have or you have or we had when we finished fighting to war, uh, to when we moved on to business and stuff like that, you never make as much until you get bigger into business as you do when you have that fight. That's a big chunk of money. Like it's a, it's a lot of money coming in when you retire. And when Dana says you can't fight anymore or, or suggests you don't fight anymore, whatever the case, it's the same as getting laid off because it's not like we don't want you to fight because your health yet. Yeah, that's true. But it's also like you're also not going to get a big payday anymore. So it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of a double edged sword where we care about you, but you're going to have to go find another job now. And it's like, that's a scary ass thought for somebody who spent 52 fights fighting pro and might not have a business opportunity other than sponsors and, and stuff like that lined up. Yeah. You know what scares me? This, this, this is why um, I, I took, I took such a hard take on, uh, on the Reebok deal. And now the Venom deal is that a lot of fighters were living off sponsors that would pay them to get through their camp. So let's just say, like, okay, I used to have a sponsor that paid me fifteen thousand a fifteen thousand a a fight, and what they do is they'd spend they 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 on top of the fifteen thousand a fight, they'd send me five hundred bucks or a thousand dollars a month, you know, until my next fight, especially during camp. Right. So it would be like, hey, we're gonna pay you fifteen grand, you know, for your fight, 
but then we're going to go ahead and pay you during your 10 week camp. We're going to pay you, you know, say we're going to pay you $200 a week or we'll pay you, you know, whatever, a thousand dollars for the eight week camp, you know, or two, you know, something like that. And so you had a little bit of money that came in during that time because sometimes it was a long time. Like for me, I had one stint where I was eight, you know, 16 months with no fights because I kept getting injured. And so that money, it wasn't so much like, oh, we're, we're pissed off that we lost the sponsorship. You know, we can't have sponsors in the cage. No, we're pissed off because a lot of them knew that they could sponsor us in the cage. And so they go ahead and give us like a monthly stipend to get us through. And so that the, the Reebok deal and the Venom deal, I mean, I haven't looked too much into the Venom deal, so I don't really know. I know that the money went up a little bit, but not enough. I mean, like I said, like towards the end of those deals, right? Um, when I fought Benson Henderson, I almost made a hundred grand, Yeah, you know, just just a hundred grand off sponsors just for Benson. You know what I mean? And sure that was a big fight, but you know, it was on Fox, but it was like the money is there. The money is, and you got to remember all those sponsors during that time were paying the UFC to sponsor me and they still were paying me a hundred grand. Yeah. So that's a lot of money. Like remember, cause the UFC had that little area there where they had it, you know, if you had sponsors, they had to submit their paperwork right. and those, you know, that pay, and then they had to basically show their financials just to sponsor fighters. And so when that all happened, they, you know, they stole a lot of money from the fighters. I had a few fights where I got 60 to 65,000 for, for my fights and sponsors. And that was like the heyday. That was like after Zions when it first like picked up and, and sponsors were so big. But I literally would carry my shorts and my shirt and my carry-on. I wouldn't even put it in my luggage. And like I carried it like uh, – like I, I looked at it every like – I looked in my, my bag every like few minutes to make sure it was still there. Because like $65,000 for those shorts. If you imagine if I lost those shorts and couldn't fight in them, like I would have been so much trouble, right? Um, but I agree with you on that. And, and it's, it's, it's a big, uh, it's a big problem. And I agree with you that fighters need to set up business like we did and, and, and have things set up afterwards because, you know, I lost a few of my fights at the end of my career because my foot was out the door setting up business, but now I'm happy and I'm living a life that I wouldn't have been able to live if I fought to my dying day and then decided all of a sudden at 38, 40 years old, oh shit, let me try to start business now, you know, with all these 20 year olds and 30 year olds that are coming out of college and, and doing all this crazy shit. Yeah. You know, what scares me is this. <clears throat> guys that continue to fight on that potentially could have had a career in some sort of speaking engagements, whether it's, you know, being an analyst, whether it's being a case side commentary, whether it's, you know, being a back, 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 uh, back locker room reporter, whatever it is, some of them have that potential, but they continue to fight on. And now all of a sudden their words are getting a little slurred. Mm. The, their content is not, is not, they can't form the conversation fast enough. All of those things can be said. Absolutely. Like you have, they have other avenues. Like, you know, like I said, with, with cowboy, I would hate to see a TV deal potentially slip away if you continue to fight. And then all of a sudden now you're having a hard, people are having a hard time understanding right. you. You know, like I said, we've had fighters we in the past people, yeah. that in AK where like, you know, I can't even, I can't even talk to some of them yeah. on the phone now because like, it's like they're mumbling. It's like talking to them through a snorkel, yeah. you know? And it's, it's um like we're underwater. He's in a, it's a, he's in a snorkel and I can't, I can't understand anything he's saying. And it's hard. It's hard. Like a lot of fighters now, um, like, I don't know if you have if you've ever had this experience when they call me and they, they say they've been fighting for a long time. They call me. I don't pick up their phone calls anymore. I'm like, just text me because I can't I can't understand you, you know, because they've they've fought so long that you just can't like you can't understand what they're saying through the phone. 
Yeah, I mean, I can I can vouch for you because unlike you, because you don't get a lot of guests on your show, you do a lot of stuff, which is Big John, which is amazing. Your show's fantastic, weighing in. Obviously, everybody knows. Um, but for me, I book every guest. So, you know, I've done 130 podcasts, but I have to book every single talent that comes on, prepare for the interview, do the interview. And it would blow your mind how hard it is to book a freaking fighter. Like, like most of the time, it is unbelievable. And it's not that getting a hold of them. It's not them saying yes. It's the fact of scheduling. It's the fact of them understanding what what they have going on and them trying to plan it. It's like I'm like to my like, holy shit, what are you going to do, man? Like I'm just like it's, it blows my mind how hard it is just to book someone for a podcast sometimes. Yeah. They, I'm not, bl- I'm not they, saying it's only from fighting, but I'm just saying in general. Like I'm sure some of it is just like they're, they're going all different directions, but it's just I've noticed what you're talking about, you know, definitely. No, no, that, that that's a big reason why we don't have guests on our show. Is that every time we Tough. try to arrange them, they're they, like, they almost feel like, like, and I've said I've said this, I'll continue to say this, is that they almost feel like they're too good for it. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Some sometimes we've had people on, and it's like it's like, it's like battling them to come on because they feel like, oh, okay, okay, I'll fine, I'll do it. It's like. Like we're the, I'm the one here trying to pump you, man. I'm like, I get it. If you don't want to do it with like a very small, you know, like, I mean, but why you gotta look at me, bro. Why you gotta look at me when you talk about small podcasts? No, no, no. Here's the thing though. No, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, bro. Go ahead. No, you like, here's the thing you have, you have the end. You've had a lot of great people on. You've had Khabib on, you've had other Anthony Smith, like you've had good people on, man. Like I I have a hard time booking people because it's tough for me too. Well, it's not. It's not even. You have a little bit. It's a little bit easier for you because you're in the good graces of the UFC. And this is another thing, like yeah. because John and I are not so much. I guess you could say, like, even though we love speaking about the fighters and we love all the fighters, um, you know, I, I know fighters don't don't want. They won't want to do our show because, right. like I said, they identify with the UFC. Their 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 Instagram and their Twitter is you know it says whatever their name is UFC, and so they feel that if they do our interview with us. That um, you know that maybe it'll reflect badly on with Dana or with yeah. the UFC, and which is not the case. You know, I mean, Dana's we, we repeatedly said any press is good press, you know, and that's really what it comes down to. And it's maybe he doesn't like it sometimes, and it's not you know not good for him or anybody else, or the UFC. But at the end of the day, that's what keeps people talking about them. And so any good any press is good press, and uh, you know, and he's made it through this far, and I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's just gonna stop all of a sudden. I mean, you got to think. He fucking threw some. He was trying to throw a fight in an Indian reservation during a fucking worldwide pandemic, and he almost did it until yeah. Walt Disney called and said, "No, you got to shut it down. Yeah, right. Just let's just play it safe right now." I mean, but but and I and I I I admire his fucking his determination. I mean, that, that to me was pretty impressive. Um, I thought it was a little. I thought it was a little uh, a little a little careless at the time. But then when he went to Jacksonville, I wasn't a, I wasn't opposed to it. You know, when he just did his last fight, right? The last fight was in Jacksonville, right? With uh, Masvidal and Usman. I'm not sure where I it was. I wasn't opposed to it. Yeah. You know, states have, some states have moved on. Not to get into too much politics of it at all, but some states have moved on. I've yep. traveled all around the U.S., you know, for Bellator and, uh, you know, um, flying into Detroit, flying into Atlanta, flying into Salt Lake, Dallas, uh, but, you know, all different types of uh, airports. A lot of states have moved on. Yeah. I think just you're getting a lot of um, – you're getting a lot of uh, pushback from the states that have it, you know, or the people that live in those states. So um, I just um, – I don't think anything's going to really reflect on him. No, nothing's going to really reflect off of, off of Dana. He's going to continue to do what he does, and uh, it's good for him. Yeah. And I, like for us, like, we have a hard time like, booking clients or booking uh, interviews because I think people are, are afraid that, that maybe that 
you know, that um, the UFC will look badly on them because they've, they weren't on our show. But I'm like, look, I'm just here to make everyone look good, man. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to kind of dig into you a little bit, you know, at times, you know, depending on what your circumstances are. But, um, you know, but I mean, you know, as well as I know, you know me. Yeah. I, I'm one of those tough love guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have, I have been for the longest time. And as much as I love fighters, as much as I want them all to be successful after fighting, um, it's very rare that it happens. And 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 when I talk about NFL and NBA and there's a there's a great uh, ESPN, I think it's thirty for thirty. It's called Broke. And they, you know these professional Andre, I don't know if you guys remember receiver, I believe for the Falcons, Andre Ryzen, is was his name. He made, I want to say he made like they were saying like almost two hundred million dollars or something throughout his career. Broke. Like dead broke. He was also married to a rapper, you know, and she died, uh, left died. Then he was married to her and then she died. But then she, you know, a lot, they were married. And so a lot of her money also went and they were broke. It's like you were married to someone who was a celebrity who had money. Then she passed and I think you acquired that money or whatever. And then you also made a ton of money and now you're still broke. Like if you don't think that a fighter's pay, if you don't learn how to budget your money and take care of yourself, make proper investments – always play always always err on the side of caution you're gonna end up broke too you know and because you don't you don't make a fraction of what these big big sports make do you agree with dana when he said um because a lot of people flipped out about this and i i agree to some degree when i can explain myself but do you agree with the comment that he said when he said and and i think that he said this okay don't hold me to it but i think he said something along the lines of the ufc is not a career it's an opportunity and then people got freaked out and mad and angry saying why is it not a career this should be you should make enough money and it should be a career and all this and that. But I think the point he was trying to make, which I understand and why I set something up for after this is because I knew going in that I wasn't going to fight until my dying day. Like I knew that it was going to be something temporary. So maybe career opportunity, whatever you want to call it, it was temporary for sure. And I had to make the most of it and then utilize whatever I could and, and however much I, I could take for my career, my name, whatever the hell I could build up for myself and project that or, or, or move that into to business and then build the best business that I can and then try to make the most of my, uh, you know, my situation after my fighting career. Do you agree with that as far as like fighters should more focus on, I mean, you, you always want to be a champion and do the best you can, but you got you to gotta be thinking about the, the long term. And this happens with a lot of sports guys, like you said, and a lot of entertainers. It, you can't do this forever unless you're like Di- DiCaprio and shit like that. There's going to be a time you're going to fall off and you're going to be done, especially in sports. And you got to rely on something else. And if you don't get it started and get it going or at least a plan made, you're going to be in deep trouble. Yeah, these guys. Um, <clears throat> I, I started my gym like right, right when I was fighting Benson Henderson. It was like the biggest distraction of my career. But I also knew that losing one fight, sure, I probably wouldn't get to the title like I was supposed to several times. And it just was one of those situations where, like, look, I knew, I knew it was coming to a close. I mean, when I fought Benson, I think it was thirty six. So I was about to turn thirty seven. You know, I was going to be thirty seven that year. And so I just knew. I knew already. I'm like, look, you're, you're going to get one run. Once I lost to Benson, I was like. It's done. You're, you're not going to give you a title shot. You're at a stage in your career now, you know, where they're not going to give you a title shot. So they're going to move on, you know, and you're seeing that happen right now. They're, they're releasing fighters that are, you know, in their upper thirties and, and the, you know, and it's, it's smart on their part. That's really what nothing, ha- nothing changes like the NFL and the NBA. That's what they do also, you know? Um, but real, but the reality of it is, is that they, Fighters need to start learning how to budget their money, take care of themselves, and understand that they're going to be broke at the end of their career if they don't do that. And then on top of that, you're what you're doing is you have to invent yourself all over again after fighting because who are you? 
What are you? All right, we know you've spent 20 years, let's just say 20 years of your life trying to be one of the best fighters in the world. And you, you in, whether you're a champion or you weren't a champion, you succeeded on getting to the biggest platforms in the world. That's great. That's amazing. But that's not going to make you, that's not going to make your retirement any easier. Right. So when I, when I tell people like you have to remember, you need to save enough money to get yourself through the next 40 years of your life. Just yeah. say, like I said with Cerrone, like he may live another 40 years. You know, he's 37. He may live another 40 years. If he, God willing, he does. But do you have enough money put away to live the lifestyle you're living now? And that was the one thing I've always done. I've always made sure that I, that lifestyle that I'm living, I just, I, I built it up. Like I bought, you know, when I bought my house, I bought my house. I'm just going to use this as an example. I bought my house when the market crashed, you know, in 2008, 2009, you know, and, um, and it was it wasn't my dream house. It wasn't like something that I, you know, I was like, oh, I like it. I, you know, it's it's nice. It has all it had the bones of the house was very nice. But then, as time went on, I had a couple more fights. I made a little bit more money. I just started adding into what I liked about it, and what I wanted. I put a pool in. I put a nice barbecue setup outside. You know, um, I have a drive-through garage now, so I can drive from the front of the from the front of the house through the garage nice. all the way to the backyard if I want. You know, it's it's not anything spectacular. It's not huge. But guess what? It feels like home to me now. Yeah. And that's where I think people get mistaken is, you know, I'm looking at houses right now in Texas and in Florida and even sometimes in Nashville in the, in the Tennessee area. And then looking at those areas, right, I'm looking at houses that I'm like, damn, I can get this for this much money. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the hardest part is you have to rein yourself in yeah, right. and you have to say, and you have to say, hey. You know what? I don't need that house, even though I know it's the same. It's, you know, if I was to sell my house, I could just roll it right into a 1035 exchange, you know, and but the thing is, I don't need that house. You know, some of those houses in Texas, everything's bigger in Texas. Well, they ain't lying. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I mean, I was looking at some places. I'm like, dang, this is only a million dollars. And I'm like, because, you know, my house here is, is a fraction of the size of worth double that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like. But it's like, wow, this thing's only worth a million dollars. I'm like, damn, I can get this. But I don't need a five and six thousand square foot house. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need that. Nobody needs that. But it's that you want it, yeah. and it's up to you. And I, I don't need it. And so if I, it's just, it's just more rooms to put more shit in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, it goes back to that movie Fight Club. It's like, I, you know, I buy stuff to impress people. I buy stuff I don't want or need. You know, to impress people I don't like. You know, yeah. then all this whole story about it. But it's, it's true though, right? I mean, like that's yeah. how it is. Like people can make money and they buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like and yeah. it's it's upsetting it's like when i see it i see it, i'm thinking to myself you don't need this stuff like i don't need a lot of even the stuff that's in my house now there's a lot of stuff i don't need yeah. you know what i mean i have a guest room with a full king or full queen size bed or king size bed i mean they're like i never am in that damn room yeah, i yeah. guess maybe once a, maybe <laughs> once a year if that yeah i don't need that, that big of a bed for a guest you know what i mean so there's things I live in the most expensive place in the United States, you know, and in, in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And it's, a, and it's a total shithole too right now. It's like there's there's homeless people everywhere. There's, I mean, it's just it's really disgusting here right now. It's really sad to see what, what San Jose has turned into. But um, but it's it's like I, there's a lot of things that people they they spend a lot of money on things that they don't need, and they end up in positions that they shouldn't be in if they would just conservatively spent their money on things that they did need and just worried about the little tiny things and made it their own. You know, like I said, when I moved to my house, it wasn't my dream home, but you know, I made it, I made it the way I wanted it. And it's, that's important, you know, do the things you want, you know, put the money into the house. Your house will always kind of, should always kind of keep its value. Sure. It's going to go up and down, but if you're going to be there for 10, 10, 15 years, the market's going to change so much. Just try to sell on a high and, you know, get out and buy on a low. That's really what it comes down to. 
What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. Mike Swick, he's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu. They have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. I'm telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. Um, switching gears a little bit, I'm going to get your take on the state of the UFC's 155 division because it's so interesting right now. And I just want to get some quick predictions from you real fast. Obviously, we got Chandler versus Oliveira. We got Ferguson versus Dariush. We got um, Connor versus Poirier. What's going what's gonna to happen with all these fights? And, and, and like, what's your pr quick prediction on these fights? And who do you think is going to come out ahead and, and be the, the, the top dog when this is all said and done? When there's one left standing of all these guys, not, not, not necessarily after this fight. Obviously, I want your prediction on these fights, but, but after this fight and then they, they mix again and there's that champion and then the champion defends, who do you think is going to be the top dog of this group or at least the couple top dogs? Look, it's really hard for me to tell right now. I mean, look, I, I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this and I want people to understand. Look, I'm not a big fan of Michael Chandler, but you can't take away the fact that he's damn good. He's good. You know, he's got big, he's got big power. He's uh he's shorter and st and stocky, so he's going to be harder to take down. He's got he's got phenomenal wrestling. He's got uh he's got nasty ground and pound. And he, when he gets on your neck, he rips it right off. You know, and so um you can't take anything away from him. His 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 defense to leg kicks is a suspect. You know, so guys, I think guys like a um like a Justin Gaethje might be able to give him some problems, but but other guys like to me like and as much as I'm a big fan of Dustin Poirier, I don't know if Dustin can beat him. Really, I mean, we saw we well, we saw the fight with that 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 Dan Hooker had with Dustin Poirier just right before he yeah, fought yeah, yeah. Chandler, and it was a big difference. You know the power is there, and don't get me wrong, Dustin got a great chin. You know, and and Dan Dan normally has you know a really good chin as well. But when we're having the conversation about who I think right now, the way it all sits, I mean. I would say it probably be it's probably gonna I, th I think I think Chandler walks through Oliver. I don't I don't think Oliver has a chance, and especially as the fight goes on, they both tend to slow down. Um, Chandler's got more power. Chandler's very accurate. He's a lot faster and more explosive. You know he's gonna have to get past uh, Oliver's push kick, but um, Chandler's never been submitted. Not to say that he won't be submitted. That Oliver doesn't have a chance to submit him. He does, but he's never been submitted. He's been caught in a lot of really really deep stuff never given up um, people get on his back all the time and he's able to reverse get on top and when he ends up on top he's nasty in the ground and pound area um look me i don't know if you ever recalled i don't know if you ever recall training with justin wilcox that's yeah. a big that's yeah. a big yeah you that, can't do anything kind of dude. it's like he has his arms and his legs are is just like muscles they and were you like, can't, yeah you can't do yeah, anything just, and he reminds me a lot of uh, michael chandler and so when you're talking how do you beat him? Like D Justin was so hard to submit because his legs were shorter. He, you know, he could clear his knee for knee bars all the time, arm bars, you know, um, it was hard to get and not to mention he's physically strong. So trying to break his grip was almost impossible right. getting on the neck. What neck? Like yeah, he doesn't exactly. have a neck, you know? Um, 
But the remedy for him, for Justin Wilcox, was the same thing that Chandler's going through right now, is that calf kick. That calf, that calf kick Chandler is susceptible to because he's got a wide base. He kind of lunges in also, so if you catch him while he's lunging in, there's a good chance you could slow him down throughout the fight. He's already had one fight where he lost the title to Brett Primus in, in Bellator because he had that drop foot situation where Premise had kicked him twice and and uh you know his foot wouldn't respond so the nerve is dead and so they had that drop foot situation they had to stop the fight so um i've seen him you know throughout his fight and throughout his career you know take damage to the leg and he hasn't he has not been able to recover i think he's got he's got kind of those chicken leg kind of things like where it's all nerve and muscle and then a little bit of and then the bone is there so um it's so lean and then he goes right to that nerve and he has a hard time so if in the remedy is like that's why i said somebody like a justin gaethje has a good chance of possibly beating him because justin's got a granite chin and then on top of it i wouldn't say he's hard to take down because we just saw what khabib did to him so i think chandler could take him down chandler could probably submit him on the ground but in the process of him getting taken down does, does chandler eat a punch does Chandler and and, and Gaethje's leg kicks are just nasty, you know. So there's a lot of there's a lot of questions to be answered in that fight, I think. But I think after this fight, I think it's going to be Michael Chandler will be the champion after Oliveira after he beats Oliveira, and then you're going to see probably the winner of Dustin and Connor. I, I don't know. I don't know if Dustin and Connor, uh, Connor, and then look, I'm not trying to take anything away from Dustin. I think Dustin's a fucking savage, but we all know this. Styles make matchups. Then the leg kick situation, the push kick in the into the into the bread basket, all of those things that keep range. Conor McGregor does that better than anyone. Well, he did up until his last fight. So if we get that same old Conor McGregor back, we get that one back that keeps the toe kick in the belly, like how he fought Chad Mendes. Um, yeah. That type of scenario with the straight left, about, yeah. keep him on the end of your punch. He's going to be hard to beat. Yeah. You know, he's going to be a hard person to fight. Um, Dustin will stand in front of you and take shots to give shots. And that's not something I think a lot of people want to do with Chandler. Yeah. And so, um, and I, I, I would still call that still a 50, 50 fight. You know, I'd still I still would say that Dustin maybe has a 60, 40 advantage over Chandler. If he can drag it into the deep rounds, like he did with Dan hooker. Um, but I don't know if he can, you know, um, Dan hooker thought he could do it and it took one round. So there's, there's a lot, there's, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of great fights. I think the best thing that could have happened for the UFC, I mean, maybe not for them in their eyes was that this could be retired, you know, yeah. and he officially just said that we have retired and now, now it's open. It's fair game. Let's let the fun, let the fun begin for all the guys that no, none of those guys, not even, not, not even Chandler, none of them were going to be, could be, we, you know that. And I know that, yeah. you know, I know maybe people think we're a little biased cause we train with him. But absolutely not. Tell me how those guys beat him. Tell me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's, there's no way. Uh, he's he's levels above everybody else. And that's why I, I, even, I even think he can go to 70 and win the title there if he wanted to. You know, and, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Usman. But I'm sorry, but Khabib, I think could be beats him. Yeah. I, think Khabib, I think Khabib would beat Usman. He would destroy Colby Covington. Um, Colby couldn't take him down. There's no way Colby's taking him down, and Colby can't stand with him because Colby's stand up is garbage. You know what I mean? So it's um, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not good. You know, and Khabib, everyone's like, oh, well, Khabib's stand up is not good either. Okay, he's got good stand up, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he mixes up all of his takedowns with his stand up. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And 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 Colby's gonna end up having to stand the whole fight because he ain't taking him down. So I mean, we, we've I've seen I've seen top three time national champ wrestlers, people that were on the Olympic circuit you know, not be able to take him down. If they did take him down, they couldn't hold him down. You know, what What you guys see of him, you guys haven't even, like the majority of people haven't even seen a fraction of how good Khabib is because he hasn't yeah. had to be pushed yeah. to that limit. Yeah. That's the thing, you know? 
that no one's pushed him. No one's pushed him to motivate, like not to motivate him, but no one's pushed him to the point where you saw you saw the dog in him. I, we've seen the dog in training. I've seen the dog in him in training when, it, when guys have come in. They were one seventy. You know, some guys they were one eighty five. I remember when he got in that sparring match with Frank Munoz, who is Frank Munoz was a, a kickboxer, I think from Italy or Spain, and um, and he was tall, long, lanky, almost like a John Joe's looking dude. Good kickboxer. It could be just fucking ragged on him because he was trying to go hard with Khabib. Try to kick hard to the head, all those things. Khabib got pissed off. He's like, hey, man, I'm getting ready for a fight. And just fucking took him down and just mauled him. And we had people had to pull Khabib off of him because he's like, bro, I'm getting ready for a big fight right now. And you're fucking doing, trying, to, trying to knock my head off. Khabib got pissed off, you know, and just, just took him down, got on top of him, and just started beating the shit out of him. And I was like, damn. That's yeah. like, damn. You know, and here you have a 55-pounder mauling a guy who fights, you know, he walks around probably 210, 205, and cutting to 85 to fight there. So good stuff. I mean, like, the, the the division, I think, is wide open now, but I think your 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 top two is obviously Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. I was going to agree with those that. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, I think those guys, if, if Dustin can beat Chandler or Connor, I think it's I think that I think it's going to be consistency too. I mean, like you look at guys like Chandler, he's going to be consistent. And, and you look at guys, it's consistently good. You look at guys like Poirier, he's pretty consistent as well. Connor, we don't know, right? So Connor could come back and fight really good in this fight because he's super motivated because he got beat and then not fight as good in his next fight. I don't think the consistency is as much there because he's moved on kind of, his foot's kind of out the yeah. door. Gaethje, again, is one of my favorite fighters and can beat anyone any given day. I don't see the consistency of being a champion for like defending his title five times in a row. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I think it's going to come down to what you said, Poirier and Chandler, and and that's going to be the two guys that are going to be battling it out to be the number one guy and take over the lightweight division, in my opinion, as well. I don't think Ferguson and Darius are going to step up and be able to hang with any of those top guys like that. They're going to fight, have a great fight together, but I don't think it's going to go much past that. Yeah, no, no. Like the thing with like, and, and and I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this because people think that I'm, I'm, with I'm you. gonna bag on, Tony. but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bagging on Tony, man. I'm I a love huge all these fan guys, of Tony. Man. And pe- people think that like, oh, because I, I lost him, I can give two shits, bro. I've moved on with my life and I have a great life. Okay, so like when the, like I said, when it comes to fighting, like the fighting to me was never an end all be all. I mean, I was talking about retiring when I was 30 years old. You know, when I was 29 and 30 years old during my prime because I, like, I didn't want to fight past 30. Tony is in the same position that say somebody like Donald Cerrone's in right now. He's had three, or he had, he's had two really bad losses, bad. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> the Gaethje fight was horrible. Right. That amount of damage, that amount of damage in a fight, you really don't, you're really never the same. You know, I can say that because at my age, I, I was, I think I was 38 when I, I was 37 or 38 when I fought Tony, my my last fight in the UFC. And I was I wasn't the same after that. Yeah. And then and a lot of it was I already knew I was already on the decline, but that just sped it up and yeah. I just knew I wasn't the same. I yeah. knew that I knew that man, you can't have a fight like that take that much damage, you know, and be the same fighter after that. And he wasn't the same fighter. You saw him watch you saw him fight all of there. Yeah. He he looked like he looked a fraction of himself, you know, and don't get me wrong, he's I think he still has some miles in the tank. <clears throat> I get like more so than Donald does. But in in that division at 155 it's it's murderer's row yeah and there's there's no there's no there's no there's no up and down man you're either consistently good yep, or you get or, or you're shark bait yep. you know and that's really what it comes down to and so it's it's um i have nothing against him i just think darius i think darius beats him and after darius beats him but the problem with darius is that i don't think he'll be champion either he leaves himself out of position a lot he's good all the way around he overextends himself on punches and kicks. Um, you know, he keeps his hands down. All of those things that 
that make you a good technical fighter, he doesn't have. He doesn't right. possess. He is good. There's no doubt. I love watching him fight. He's uh, very entertaining. The fact that he leaves his head, hand down is what makes him entertaining. But you, you can't expect – you don't see guys like that unless you unless you're like unless they're like a Michael Venom page. Right. The yeah. hands are – but they're super fast. <laughs> yeah. They're really long. You know, and their footwork is and just nasty crazy. good. It, those are the guys that have success with that. Not not guys like Darius for like they leave them. He's a dog. He's someone that just loves to fight, and uh, he he's phenomenal to watch fight. But he leaves himself out of position too much. The top guys, you know, like Dustin or or Chandler or you know other guys will take advantage of him. So I don't see him becoming champion either. That's cool that we agreed on that. You're so, you, you're really good at this, man. Like you 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 really watch all the fights and break them down. You're way better than me at that, which is why I interview people versus like do the analytical stuff. So I'm happy that I just agree with you and and had the same assessment of those those uh, guys. Uh, real quick before we go, I want to ask you. I have to ask you let, about this. Just just be. Hey, let let me get one assessment from you. Okay, go ahead. And and maybe I'm putting you on the spot. You maybe are not. for I sure. I I am. I am. I am. My take is, what is your take? What You just heard my take on Michael Chandler. What is your take on Michael Chandler? Why was Michael Chandler never considered a top 10 guy until he went to the UFC? I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch a lot of his fights in Bellator. Um, I thought he had a fantastic fight against Hooker. I think he's very well-rounded. I think uh, from from what I've seen, I've seen his fights before, a lot of his highlights and stuff. He seems to be consistent. Obviously, I know his record, and I know who he's beat, who he's, who he's lost to. Um, he seems to be, be very consistent and um, powerful. Like all the things that you said, I agree with. Um, but I have not seen every single fight, so I haven't seen him be in danger and pull out of danger and and beat people that were, you know, it, it, he's the one that I'm the least experienced in watching. And, and for me, it's like I don't get to watch every single fight, so I, I pick and choose the main fights. And, and then obviously all my podcast guests, I watch their fights and, and get caught up with them, but I don't have the time to watch every single fight, every single card, every single show. Um, but I just feel like he's more consistent and he's very dangerous in, in many areas. And with that wrestling background, that's very dangerous because when you can take someone down as well as knock them out, like he does, I just feel like that's a dangerous recipe to have. Um, Poirier, I think also has gotten so much better and is very consistent as well. Um, he's a consistently good fighter. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, I agree with what you said about Connor, but it's just Connor. I don't think he's going to be as consistent. And I think Connor's one foot out the door, you know, even if he comes back strrong, what can he really do? You know, he's, he's not that hungry guy that he used to be in my opinion. Um, and Gaethje, I feel, is a just incredible striker. I think he's got, you know, crazy strikes. He can do a lot of different things. But we saw him get shut down with Habib. So he does have the ability to get shut down um, and get taken down. And, and I think he's, and he's, been, he's been caught as well. I, I think he's a, a very dangerous fighter who also can get caught as well as, as catch other people, which we've seen. And I don't think that's the consistency that's going to hold the division and be a multiple-time world champion. I think it's going to be a guy that's going to be a dangerous guy every single time you fight him. But it's not going to be a guy consistently that's going to win every time. Chandler's a guy, I think, that with the right strategy in Poirier as well, but even more so with Chandler with the wrestling and, and, and the power and if he can continue on with what, I've, what I have seen of him, he has the abilities to form a consistent, and I've said this a million times already, but consistency to continue on winning against these guys and formulating game plans that can actually work because I think he has a wide variety in his arsenal that he can use to, uh, to, to neutralize and eliminate his opponents. And that's why I say that. Well, if I was going to tell you to go back through and you watch <clears throat> any of Chandler's fights, you watch the two Eddie Alvarez fights, and then you watch the Benson Henderson fight, the the first one. <clears throat> I mean, it lets you know that he's a dog. Yeah. You know, he's someone that he's and the Brent Primus fight as well. I would say the the second Brent Primus fight. I mean, he had a he had a good performance. Uh, he did get tired. You know, took a lot of leg kicks, all those things. But 
those three fights though the eddie and the, the first benson fight like if you're gonna go back and do a little bit of research you know that those are the fights to watch no my my original question was based off of why is it why is it that all of a sudden a guy who's been consistently good like you've said he's consistently good throughout his whole career he's been consistently good um was never really considered a top 10 guy because he was in Bellator, but now all of a sudden he gets one win against Dan Hooker, and now he's all, he's fighting for the title. I get it. I just, I want, I want I, look, I, my job with my podcast, and I, I hope you one day, I hope you kind of make it yours as well, and no pressure, no pressure at all there, Slick, <laughs> is, is to, is to bring, is to bring the spotlight to the sport. Wow. You know what I mean? To bring the spotlight to fighters that don't get the recognition they deserve. Um, because if if you look, if I look at what Strike Force happened, right? There's a lot of fighters that left or that got they were cut from the UFC that circled back around and came in into Strike Force and then made their careers beyond that. Robbie Lawler, he was cut by the UFC. You know? And then they brought and then, you know, he made full circle, came back around and went back into into the UFC and became a star and became a champion, a multiple time defending world champion. Phenomenal fighter. Um, you know. Um, there was other fighters that had done the same thing. And so when, when we're having this, when I'm having this conversation about, I want to start bringing spotlights, you know, that's what I'd like to use our podcast for is to bring the spotlight to these younger, to these other fighters that are in, in other organizations to, to, to show how damn good they are. Yeah. Like you've got, we've got a guy in, in Bellator, his name's Jaroslav Amosov. He's 25 and 0. He's got the best record in the whole sport of MMA oh, sure. over. Like, yeah, except for Khabib. Like, Khabib's retired, though, but now he's got the best record in all of the main. He's fighting Douglas Lima. And Douglas Lima just oh, wow. went five rounds with Gegard Mousasi, yep. who went up in weight. Now he's coming back down to 70. But uh, Yaroslav Amosov, he's phenomenal, man. Never really wrestled. Has a little bit of a Sambo background, but never really wrestled like when he was younger. He's got some stand-up. He's just one of those all really well-rounded, stuffing uh, takedowns, you know, against top, top guys. He was actually able to hip-toss and take down Ed Ruth several times in their fight when they fought. It was a great fight. He fought Logan Storley, who I think is like a six- or seven-time state champ for uh, South Dakota wrestling, you know, South Dakota state wrestling, and also, um, you know, multiple-time All-American. So, like, when you're when I'm looking at these guys, Logan Storley was a phenomenal fight for him. It was a great fight. Now he's fighting Douglas Lima. It's like there's a lot of guys. There's uh, Costello Van Steenis and Fabian Edwards. There's Austin Vanderford, you know, all from Bellator. You know, they've got a lot of good talent over in one championship as well. And the PFL now we're seeing Clay Collard just beat Anthony Pettis. You know, um, this Verdum, uh, he just lost his last fight, which was a kind of a weird situation. But, um, you know, but, there, but my, my, my objective right now with our podcast you know, and then my platform that I have across social media is to to let all the fighters know that I support what they're doing. Um, I want to try to bring you as much money as I possibly can right. and try and help them help them grow their brand. And for God's sake, take the name UFC out of your Twitter handle. Okay, don't do that. Yeah. Just make it about you. Make your you know build your brand. Your brand is not UFC. Your brand is you. You know, and do that. You know, um, that's I just I think, and, and that goes for every promotion. I think yeah, fighters need to brand themselves. Do the best they can at branding themselves, and if they can do that, I think they're gonna have a successful career. Make it about themselves. You know, so fighting is a very selfish sport. You know that. Yeah. You know, you're one of the selfish people I met. So it was <laughs> one of the no. selfish people you lose round after round to. I know. I get it. Uh, we loved, but we loved, we loved to hit each other. It was no, fun. we did. Um, you know. Um, but no, like, you know, you, you were a great person, man. You're, you're a great, you are a great Thanks, person, man. You too. you know, and you're so great to train with and so fun. And, 
you know, and uh, we had some, we had our spiffs here and there, you know, but it was still fun. We had a great time. Hey, we never and, fought and, each but, other outside of the ring. That's good going as far as your, your reputation. That, that's pretty good that I never got in a, a brawl with you. So that after how many, 10, 12 years together, that's pretty, yeah, that's yeah, pretty, that's, that's something to brag about, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got into it a bunch of people, <laughs> a bunch of people, but uh, you know, but it was good. I mean, I think, um, but look, I think fighters, I want to make fighters need to have it about themselves Absolutely. so they can build a brand for themselves after fighting. And this all goes into the Donald Cerrone thing. He's built a great brand for himself. I just hope it gets to the next level. And the next level for him would be like a TV show or something, you know, some sort of reality show that he can capitalize on. I feel the same way about Clay Guida and Chad Mendes. I, I follow them on Instagram and stuff. And then they're so fun, man. They're yeah. fun to watch. And so those are the things that I love that I think they can make a TV show out of it. I've had Clay on the show, and he's absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I wanted to clear things two, two things up real fast. First of all, it's an entertainment sport, right? And I'm in the entertainment side. I'm a fan right now. So with the Chandler question that you asked me, I didn't follow him a lot in Bellator, but I, I, I did when he got all the hype coming in UFC. I was along with the other guys. Like so He had one fight. What's going on? Why, why is he getting so much hype? But then I, he had so much hype, it made me research him. And then I looked, and he's on a three-fight, you know, KO win streak. And, you know, he, he, I sort of had to do the research from the hype. So the hype built him to me. I was sold like a fan, went and did research, and I said, okay, maybe, you know, the hype was a big factor there. Um, and, 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 you know, and I do also want to say, even though I have a lot of UFC guys on the show because I, I have a lot of UFC connections and with UFC and I've been in the UFC for so long, I am 100%, just so you understand and everyone else understands, in agreement that the UFC doesn't necessarily have all the best fighters. And I think there are fantastic fighters in other organizations, though I don't get to watch a lot of them because I just can't watch a fight every, yeah. every two days. Um, and it's not my job like yours. But, you know, there are, there are plenty of fighters that, that should be in the UFC or, or should be in their own organization they're in right now and be champions and do good that are some of the best fighters in the world. And, and I think they're out there and they're going to they're gonna have their time. And, and I agree with you on that, like this guy you talked about. And so, yeah, 100%. I agree with that. And we've seen the guys from the UFC leave the UFC and lose dominantly, like fast. It, it, it's not a, it's not yeah. just a fluke. You know, they're fighting guys that are legitimately tough. That just one organization doesn't have all the best fighters. And I agree with you on that. And I'm a UFC guy yeah. to the core. Yeah, because you look at Benson when he came over to Bellator, he couldn't buy a win. You know, and, and then uh, Godito was I don't think you call become Godito is Jose Perez. He just fought. He finally got his first win after three fights in the in Bellator. Guys that have left the UFC, he left the UFC on a seven and two fight streak. You know, he was like seven and two in the UFC, and he left there to came to Bellator for more money, and he hasn't had any success. You know, and even this last fight, you know, sure it was a good fight, but it was it wasn't the type of performance you would expect to say the coming from someone that. Coming from the UFC, you would think like, "Oh, wow, this guy's gonna mop all these guys." That's not that has not been the case at all. And I'm not here to I'm not here to just bag on that. But Anthony Pettis went over to to PFL, yeah. and and just to be in all fairness and all honesty, if you watch my podcast weighing in with John, is we talked about this. I didn't know who Clay Collard was. John did, and so I'm like, I don't know who he is. I'm like, how good is he? He's like, he's good. He's really good. He's gonna come forward. He's gonna pressure him. He can take a shot. He's a big guy for the weight class. Pettis is going to have a hard time. And sure as shit, he had a hard time. He had a really hard time that he lost. You know, it was a good fight. It was back and forth, you know. But there was in the first two rounds, it was all Clay Collard. You know, and the, the third round was could have been maybe a tiebreaker, you know, because, you know, Clay Collard got dropped with a head kick. But it was still a great fight. You know what I mean? But it was one of those fights where I didn't – I see even myself. I'm over here doing all the research on these guys and these standout fighters. But even myself, I didn't know who Clay Collard was, you know, and a huge win for him over, you know, Anthony Pettis, a legit win, you know, and uh, people were like, oh, yeah, because I think if Anthony would have went back down to 55, he would have had some success. 
Yeah. You know, I don't think he would have been champion, but he probably would have been back in the top, say, six, you know, six somewhere in there, you know, because I think fights like him versus, you know, Dustin Poirier, fights like him versus, you know, uh, what's his name, um, Charles Oliveira, I think those fights would be tailor-made for him. Those yeah. would be great fights for him, you know, so um, there's a lot of fights to be had still, I believe. It's just um, – I, I want to make sure that my focus is is really developing these these fighters that don't have a bigger big enough platform, and that's kind of what I, that's a big reason why I like to do the podcast that we do. Absolutely, just really really fast. I know you got to go and everything, but I have to ask you uh, just outside of the realm, just a little bit. The, the Logan Paul Mayweather fight. Do you have an interest in that at all? And is that just a like I would rather see Jake fight Mayweather to be honest with you because I think uh, that would be a much better fight. And I want to see one of those guys get beat really really bad. Um, in a fighting realm but but do you think that's a crazy first of all do you think that's just a crazy fight i almost don't want to pay for it just to support it because i think the logan paul floyd fight i, I don't want to support that fight at all even though i would pay to watch jake fight him um and what do you think about that crossover as far as guys going over there in boxing and especially guys like this with this clout and this influencer status being able to 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 just kind of bash everybody and like yeah I, I took a person at first now i don't care he's playing the game i get it but like you know we're fighters we have pride and, and, and he hasn't proven that he, he's the most one of the most famous boxers in the world i'm talking about jake not logan um he, he he has a top 10 pay-per-view i guess if the stats are correct um and he's definitely one of the the, the most demand boxers in the sport but he's never fought a boxer and he's never even fought a guy who trained in boxing it's crazy yeah. to me like it's fucking crazy he's never even fought a guy that trained in boxing and he's one of the biggest yeah. names and bo- it's crazy i'm just i'm just i'm just blown away by it that's that's i've said this and it, that's what makes boxing a shit show right now it's crazy like, right? no one gives, no one gives a shit about boxing you know i mean like give me wrong like canelo just fought the other night and like people aren't people aren't really talking about it. i never I didn't even watch it actually to be honest it was yeah. like last night or and something that's a, that's the thing. Like people aren't even talking about it. It's like you have the best boxer I think in boxing right now, outside of uh, he's great, uh, yeah. Terrence Crawford. You know, Terrence Crawford's right. There. He's number. I think Terrence Crawford's number one. But um, you know, you've got you've got these guys that are fucking just leaps and bounds above everybody in boxing. But there's no fights for them. Like, no one's going. Mm-hmm. No one's putting their kids in boxing and thinking like oh, I'm gonna be a world champion. The, the, that ship has sailed, man. Majority of them now are coming over to, to the MMA world, and if they're not, then you know they're going to try. They're going to try and join a sport, doing something else. So, uh, my take on it is that this is the position that boxing in. It's a shit show. It's and this this is only adding to it. I think. Um, I think the whole the whole sh- the whole situation is a joke, um, and it has nothing to do with being personal about it because you know oh he beat Van Askren, he's the MMA guy. Uh, Big John said it best. Why are you guys lowering your level to go fight this guy in a position that you guys only train a fraction of your your training in? You know, sure, you guys, a lot of you guys box. He's not fighting boxers. He's not picking out boxers. He's picking out people that don't that don't that historically don't have good stand up. You know, what do you think is going to happen? You know, um, I think we all thought that Ben could take the shot and then kind of walk through him, yeah. put pressure on him. Ben didn't take that approach. Ben stood on the outside yeah. and tried to box with him. I thought Ben was just going to walk him down and cover Clinch up, him, walk yeah. him down, cover up, and make him fight going backwards, and then see if he he doesn't have he won't have the same power going backwards. No, no one does, no. you know. Um, and I also thought he would gas, you know, from the pressure. It was a big fight. You saw him come out a little bit more composed versus when he fought um, the basketball player Nate Robinson. Yeah. He came out really aggressive, swinging wild against Nate Robinson. He didn't come out that way against Ben. So he knew he, you know, he respected Ben a little bit more in terms of the Mayweather thing, Logan, um, Logan, the reason, the reason why it makes it so interesting is that you're going to end up watching, you're going to end up probably watching Mayweather fight both of them anyways. He's going to beat Logan. He's going (laughs) to handle Logan. 
He's going to handle Logan, and then Jake's going to try to slide himself in there right after, and he's going to handle Jake as well. Yeah. Both of those guys. They're both athletes. They're both big guys. They're way, they're both way bigger than Mayweather. I don't know if you've ever met Mayweather, but he's a, he's a tiny, tiny man. Yeah. You know, so I want to say he's only like 5'6". He's not a big guy. He might be 5'7", but I highly doubt it. He's only probably like 5'6". He's skinny. He's small. He's, so he's always training, though. I mean – but he, he looks like he's a homeless man right now. I mean, did you see him at the presser? Yeah. Like, roughy beard. He's first time I ever saw him. He at least brush his hair under the hat. I was like, bro, do something with yourself. Come on, yeah, man. Yeah, look, look bad. So, all that, all that being said, he's still one of the, he's still probably the greatest boxer to ever sure. do it, you know, or one of them, anyways. Um, those guys aren't going to touch him. It's, I mean, I, I, get, ner- I get nervous because Connor was able to touch him. You know, here and there, but John, Big John, had also brought it to my attention. He's like, you know, he carried Connor. He carried Connor all the way to the tenth round. It's almost like he bet on himself in the tenth round because the bet those were the best odds that he could get off of his money. And then he went out there and finished him in the tenth round. And Logan's you know gonna be I mean? slower like, too. He's gonna be bigger, but he's gonna be slower. And he's he's zero one as a boxer. It's just it blows my mind. He's getting this fight. Like I can't believe anyone's gonna. I don't know. It's crazy to me. Like Jake Paul makes more sense to me, but it's still it's it's still both both the fact that Mayweather's fighting these guys is just such a an insane to me. It's so insane. It's so it's crazy to me. I don't I don't get it. The the one benefit is is that it's on Showtime. By the way, oh I didn't know it's on Showtime. Okay. Yeah. See, it's not on Triller. Yeah. So of that's course. the thing. That's the one benefit of it is that at least the production and the commentary will be better because Triller's fucking production and commentary is just horrible, <laughs> just absolutely horrible. Um, you know, and so. I think, I think that, I think it's going to be. It'll be. It'll look like a bigger fight on Showtime. Yeah. Doesn't mean that it is a bigger fight. Yeah. It just means it's going to look like one. The one that you know in Triller, it looks like a shit show. It looks like my buddies and I put it together in the garage in the backyard and rolled it out onto onto a mat and said, "Okay, here's the here's the ring. Okay, everyone, get in there. And let's fight. It look almost look like a battle royal type yeah, kit. Yeah. You know, it's all black and dungy and nah." Uh, but what my thoughts on it are Mayweather's not going to get touched. He's probably going to get him out of there maybe as fast as possible. Maybe Logan he'll carry for a little bit. But, you know, with uh, – what's his name? With, um, with that power with, from Jake, Jake, he'll put him out probably fast. Yeah, but if he ends up fighting Jake, I think he just torches Jake. I think he just I think he I think he does I think he does to him what he did to the, the Japanese kid on New Year's a couple of years ago. Where he just got, <laughs> That's my boy uh, too. That sucked. He got him out of there quick because yeah. the story on him getting him out of there quick is he wanted to jump on a flight and get back to Vegas for New Year's ball drop. You know that kid, Tension, That's- though, is one of the best kickboxers you've ever seen in your entire life. That guy is phenomenal kickboxer. Yeah, but see, kickboxing but, is not boxing. And that shows you he's a phenomenal striker and looked like a child when he fought Mayweather in boxing. Yeah, it, it was it – was, he, he was a child. <laughs> well, he is, too. He he's, like, he's like 22 right now or something like that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but you got to look at the when when Floyd beat uh, Canelo. Canelo, I think, was only twenty years old. He was twenty years old, I think, when he beat him. Maybe twenty or twenty-two, but I think he was twenty at the time when he beat him. And he jumped on him quick. He's like, "No, nah, let me get him out of here. Let me, let me get him. Let me fight him now while he's still young, so he can have that loss on his record by me." You know what I mean? He was smart. He was Floyd's a smart guy. Look, this is a big ass money grab for him. Yeah. Floyd's gonna sell probably Floyd himself, his name is gonna probably sell at least a million, two, million, three in pay per views. Uh, you know, I'd say at least a million. And then you got and then you add the trolls, you know, the the two uh, Logan trolls, the poodle haired kids, and then you add their viewers and their followers fighting Mayweather. I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be up there, probably in the one six, I say, maybe one six to two I say somewhere one six to one eight in pay per views. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, 
That's and, he, and Mayweather's going to make the majority of that money. Yeah, of course. I mean, running the whole business himself is, is a smart thing. I mean, I think he's one of the most uh, highest paid athletes, like percentage wise, because he does everything oh, himself. Yeah. No, no other athlete has ever taken control of their own career like he has. So, I mean, hats off to him for that, finding the right people. Because he gets a little yeah. bit of every single thing. You go into a stadium to watch him fight and you drink a Coke and eat some popcorn, Floyd's getting some of that money. Like, he gets a, he gets a piece of every single thing. Yeah, and that's, that's uh, like when I, when I was talking earlier about Eddie Alvarez, that's what Eddie has done throughout his career. He's gone everywhere and made the most money and did, he's, he showed not, I, I don't want to say he didn't show any loyalty to the promotion of the company. No, he just knew what was best for him and his family and his, and his life expectancy after, the, after fighting. And that's kind of how fighters need to be. You need to test the free, the free agency and uh, market, free agency market, and see, you know, how well um see how well how well you can get paid outside yeah. of it because there was a time where like gilbert i want to say his fight after after he renegotiated uh his his contract he ended up getting paid a ton of money man after the diego fight yeah. and they also had like a no cut clause i want to say he was making like three hundred thousand dollars a fight wow. like and remember and he rattled off in the end of his towards the end of his, his stint with the ufc um he rattled off i'd say six losses in a row yeah, or five yeah, losses in a row and they were they were still trying to re-sign him you know what i mean and he's a phenomenal fighter it's just you know like he's getting a little bit older too he's got some miles on him and and stylistically he hasn't changed he's the same fighter that when him and i fought three times and so um yeah it's just uh there's you got to go out there and go where the money is try out the free agency market and uh and see exactly what happens yeah well, listen, I know you got to go, man, and I appreciate you taking the time out. I'm, I, t- I held you for longer than uh, than I should have. I know you got oh. a busy day. I appreciate it, man. Great having you on the show. Great talking to you, bro. You've been my teammate for so long, and like I never get to talk to you. So this has been great to have an hour to talk to you and, and, and talk about the headlines and stuff and just talk to you in general. So thanks for coming back on my show again, and I'm sure you, you'll be on my show again before I'm on your show ever. So I'll see you next time on, on my show again in the future, 10 months, six, six months, whatever the hell it is going to be. The hardest part is like you're not willing to get up at 6 a.m. like I am for you or 5 a.m. like you. (laughs) I'm my own boss for that. I'm my own boss for that reason, dude, because I don't I don't want to get yelled at for sleeping, going into work late. But I stay up till four, dude, because I'm I'm on U.S. time on business, too. So I do business in the States and the U.S. So it's like I'm I'm dealing with stuff and the podcast and everything. So I'm up to like three and four in the morning. So I get up at like 11, you know, maybe 10, 11, get to the gym by like one or two, you know. Wow. But I, I put it, life. dude, nobody works harder than me, bro. I promise you. But it, but my hours are a little off. Yeah. yeah They're yeah. spread out. But hey, hey thanks, man. I appreciate it, brother. It's good talking to you, man. And, and great insight, great input, man. You're fucking awesome. And your podcast weighing in for all everybody who doesn't know, which is impossible. Everybody knows already weighing in with big John McCarthy and you, uh, it's a fantastic uh, podcast. Love it. You're doing great, man. It's, it's so good to see it grow and see you grow from when you started and like how big it is now, man, and how many views you guys get and, and how great y'all are, man. Y'all make some great points and I listen to it and it's, it's fantastic. So great, great to have you on the show, man. And good luck with, uh, everything that you're doing. You're doing a lot of fantastic stuff with Bellator, with your show, with everything and, and you deserve it, man. So, so good job. Thank you for having me on, as always, and I appreciate it. And yes, we are going to get you on. I'll make sure I'll I'll go to the board right now and make sure. We I'm try easy to book, bro. Again. I'm easy to book. I'm your easiest I, guest to book ever. You sleep till one. That's not easy for me. That's all right. <laughs> we we sleep, can do this time. We sleep till- we'll do this time, dude. Hey.
But hey, it's always a pleasure, my man. I, I actually love catching up with you. And like I said, if you ever need someone to come on just to shoot the shit, if you know if you have a hard time booking other fighters, you can call me anytime and I'd love to come on. Absolutely, bro. You got to get to Phuket, man. I'm telling you this all the time. But dude, anytime you're ready, just text me, hit me up, and, and uh, I'll show you a great time. I appreciate it, brother. All right. Take care, dude. Take care.